Are humans naturally good or evil? Do we have a moral obligation to society? What are our biggest moral flaws? Find out on this episode of the Transcendental Club. to the Transcendental Club podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Nolan. I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about human nature. So the first question we have is, are humans naturally good or evil? If either one of you want to take that, go ahead. Um, yeah, I'm happy to start with this one. So I sort of sort of don't like this question because I hate black and white questions, um, but we'll do it anyway. So I don't really think that there's an all-encompassing answer for this in any way that I don't think, I think everything is pretty much issue to issue because you can think about things just on a daily basis. We make decisions based on whether or not it's a right time to help another person or if we should be self-centered. Like say you're working at a job and you really want to go for a promotion and you have to hurt someone else's chances in order to better yours. Well, a lot of people might do that and that's not necessarily good or evil, but if that person does the same that same day goes and donates to charity, we would probably consider that good. So I guess I got a little convoluted there, but I think we're just trying to say that there's not really like a theory of everything for human nature. It's sort of just, we weigh the pros and cons of being good or bad in real time decisions. And we don't have an underlying force that guides all of our choices we make daily. Yeah. I'd like to follow up on that one with uh, just how I think most of our actions are based on our evolutionary instincts and how we're still animals we still have survival instincts and i think that's what most of our actions are based on like some some of our instincts are more moral and more social in order to fit into society better um and that with that there's also other actions and instincts that we have that make us more aggressive because we also need to be able to compete in order to move up in society so like nolan said i think it's somewhere in the middle like it depends on the action and the actual situation yeah um i i know um i probably get to reference this a lot during this discussion but um i've started reading the selfish gene by richard dawkins and there's i think there's an interesting quote that says uh selfish individuals prosper in the short term at the expense of altruists i think that's like an important factor that i think that leads into what you you were kind of you're both getting at is that there's like a lot of instances where you better yourself at the expense of others and that like can help you through society um to you know to kind of make yourself better in society i guess um but is seen as a selfish thing to do it's hard to even go into this without talking about what actually is good and evil in this case I, I actually don't have a, a good starting thought on that. So if either of you have a way of starting that kind of discussion, go ahead. Um, well, I was going to add two things to this. So the first thing I was going to say is the fundamental flaw with this question is we don't even have a definition of good or evil. Like even the biggest things, like we usually say 
killing another person is bad. And then we turn around and use the death penalty and say, like, oh, well, those people deserved it for X, Y, and Z reason. We say, okay, well, when people commit certain crimes, they cross somehow like a black and white threshold where they don't deserve to die, but now they deserve to die. But it's not morally reprehensible to kill them at that point. So I don't think that there is a definition for good or evil. So that makes it extremely challenging to say that human nature can be fundamentally good or evil. Um, the other point I was going to add is this kind of all roots out of the question of consciousness, like when, because consciousness allows humans to empathize. And really the only reason we have a concept of good or evil is empathy, because generally, if you want to even make a general rule for good or evil, it's basically good is doing things that don't harm others. And evil is doing things that do harm others. But you never look at the animal kingdom and say an animal is evil for killing another animal for its own survival. And, but in, even in humanity, like if we were to, like and we were in a situation where we had to sacrifice someone else for our own survival, that's usually like brings up questions of good and evil. And I think that our ability to empathize and take the perspective of someone else that we're harming and say, okay, well, it's not fair for me to harm that person because they didn't harm me. I think that's the fundamental point of evil. And I think that if you don't bring in the question of consciousness, then you kind of just don't really have a structure of good and evil in any way. Yeah, I feel like the whole entire spectrum of good to evil, I feel like every action that we take is focused on bettering ourselves. So I feel like even if you do something quote unquote good, I feel like that's still a selfish act in a sense. Like, I guess like, like you brought up like with like murdering or whatever, obviously we see that as a, um, an evil thing to do, but obviously in a certain situation, um, that would be, that could definitely be, um, done in order to better oneself, you know, self-defense. Yeah, whether it's in self-defense or if you have some ulterior motive, obviously, whether it's flawed or not. Um, but I feel like on the other side, even like people that give to charity, um, even if you're completely like seen in society as like a completely selfless person, you're still doing it. So you feel better about yourself, if that makes sense. Like, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good example of someone that's seen as like really like pure and that like, I guess like, I don't know, Keanu Reeves or whatever, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um that's a weird example but like i think he's seen as a really like um really like nice person in general but like i guess you could almost argue that for him to like being nice to others makes him feel validating validated himself if that makes sense and you could almost see that as a selfish act well yeah well yeah he he's also getting the repute he's getting the reputation of being a good person so then that like puts him in a better position than other people so maybe he is doing it for that reason we don't know I mean, I, I, I'd hope, like to hope not. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I feel like no matter, even if your label does good or evil, it's still in self-interest, I feel like. Even if you don't feel like it's self-interest, the fact that he's doing something because he thinks it's good is in order to make himself think that he's doing something good, if that makes sense. I yeah, know. I always kind of resent when people, people always tend to say that, like, this kind of taking a tangent here, but say there's someone famous and they give a lot of money to charity. And you'll sometimes see people say like, oh, they're just doing that because they want to look good in the public eye. Like they're not actually a good person. I always really resent that because the way I see it, like within your own thoughts, you can be the most evil person in the world. And if I guess that brings up another question of good and evil is if an entirely evil person never commits an evil action, then are they really evil? Like it's sort of actions speak louder than words in that regard. Like if you are completely beneficial to society and you hate it your whole life and you just want to do evil things, you might be intrinsically an evil person. 
And I guess it's like bad that you're doing good things only because they benefit you and you feel like you get a better image and you make an advantage for yourself out of it. But I don't really, I don't really care for lack of a better term, what a person's motives are as long as they're doing good for society. I think that's just kind of a moot point of sorts. Okay. So I, I think we can move on to the next point. So what is, if any, an individual's moral obligation to society in your opinions? So my sort of all-encompassing point on this is that I feel like you owe society your productivity, but you don't have a moral obligation to help anyone other than yourself. And by that, I mean, you, just by existing in a developed world, you are automatically participating in the societal give and take, which is to say you're receiving the benefits of living in a structured society. But I don't, and I think that in order to, to pay that debt back, I guess you have to be a productive individual, but I don't think there's any reason why you should be held to a moral standard in which you have to also help other people succeed, I guess, for like a better term. And this kind of always brings up, as we've seen a lot lately, the questions with everyone thinks Jeff Bezos should be doing different things. Um, I don't know why we've latched onto him so much, but I always feel like Jeff Bezos does contribute back to society. Like someone with that kind of money is still creating tons of jobs and they're providing a productive service that people are taking advantage of and they're helping people in that way now maybe he could be giving more money to charity or something i guess but i think morally he's done his part in giving back to society and i don't really think he's morally obligated to go any further and help people who haven't helped him if that makes sense yeah i can see where you're coming from but i also feel like it would i mean i feel like we should even if a lot of people aren't um, right now, but I feel like we should be morally obligated to work together in a way to overcome certain things because I feel like that's the only way certain uh, problems, whether it be in society or science or any part of life, um, I feel like there's certain problems that can only be overcome uh, by working together as a collectivity as opposed to trying to better your uh, own uh, personal life. But um, I, but then also going back to what you're saying about like using the Jeff Bezos ex example, that's like a perfect example of how trying to push your own life up can end up uh, resulting in better lives for other people. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I think it's, like there's the saying where it's like somewhere in the middle lies the truth. And that's kind of what I think works in this case. Yeah. I think this is always, it's always a tough one because it's really hard to turn around and say, like when you know there's people in poverty around the world and people struggling to say like, he doesn't have to do anything about that because I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to say like, yeah, I don't feel like he's required to help them because you obviously want him to. But I think in order to be, completely unbiased here you have to say you don't owe someone else your own existence um but i will say that in our guess refuting my own argument here is that if everyone thinks that way then society breaks down because right now we have the luxury of there's always people around who want to help other people and who are actively devoting their lives to helping others and building up society and moving it forward and i think so someone like someone else in society has the luxury of sort of saying okay well that person is working on all that stuff i can just do what i want with my own life i'm not obligated to help anybody else but 
if you think about it, everyone has the right to do that. And if everyone acts that way, then society breaks down and nobody's helping each other and you really don't have the society anymore. So I think my argument that you aren't required to facilitate someone else's existence and success sort of breaks down at the point that somebody is going to have to do it at some point. Yeah, I feel like um, a lot of this, I think, stems from our current uh, economic um, system in the U.S. and I guess developed world. I don't want to like turn this into like an economic debate or anything, but I feel like in our current capitalist um, structure, we almost need that, uh, you know, like Nolan, I know you mentioned, we almost need those people that are always trying to help others in order to kind of balance out the um, the imbalance within the capitalist kind of hierarchy of, uh, you know, power and money and all that. Because um, I feel like for a lot of people uh, that like, I feel like equality of opportunity really doesn't exist in our current um in our current society you know even you know if you take two people that are that you know have the same gifted mind or whatever and the same uh, drive to excel but one of them is um has a, i guess a clearer path to do so i think i i, I don't know i don't want to speak for you but i feel like we can agree that it's much easier for some people to get stuff and to excel than others and so i feel like at least in our current system, I think we do need, I feel like we do have an obligation um, either to try to lead to an equality of opportunity or to try to, um, you know, either give to good um, uh, charities or try to, um, you know, give the money back or try to restructure even just so we can try to, you know, help out the lower. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And that's what I'm saying is sort of like, that's where the argument kind of breaks down. It's like, yeah, you're welcome to say that, oh, I'm not morally obligated to help other people in society, which I don't think you are. But at the end of the day, someone has to do it because there's always people who can't help themselves, who have less opportunities and less of the ability to pull themselves out of the holes that they're in. So it's kind of like, if you want a functioning society, you have to be facilitating progress in some way. And I think that is sort of one of the flaws of capitalism, I guess, is that just because you're productive doesn't mean you're moving society forward. You know what I mean? I think um, Andrew Yang is one who always says like economic growth, um, like accompanied by growing poverty and like declining social uh, situations isn't economic success. And I think that's sort of like, that connects to this a lot because you can be Jeff Bezos or something and sure you create all these jobs and stuff. But if you're still causing small businesses to disappear, you're putting people out of jobs and you're increasing poverty in certain parts of the country, then you're being productive economically, but you're not moving society forward socially. And I think that, I guess you'd have to sort of offset that with other actions uh, that you'd be obligated to partake in. It's also like hard because there are the people who have the argument that when there are people who are living in lesser conditions, I guess, they are the ones who have to be putting in more work and in order to, I guess, rise up in the uh, social hierarchy. And that's like, I'm playing devil's advocate because I don't necessarily agree with that, but it's just like, there are the people who do believe that everyone has to work for what they get out of life. So it's, 
I'm like straddling a fine line right here because I I'm trying to play devil's advocate, like I said, and it's it's just like I can and I can understand that point of view because there are very hardworking people and who got to where they are by working very hard. Um, so they think that other people should have to do that too. But like you guys were saying, is that there's just some people who don't have that ability to dig themselves out of that hole. Yeah, I think it's a hard question. And I think the best way to approach it is to look at an individual's net positive contribution to society. And I think that sort of leaves you, it leaves you with some wiggle room on both ends, which is like, so you have someone who's, say, a millionaire or billionaire or whatever, and they contribute in ways where they're creating jobs, they're creating economic opportunity, and they're providing a service that people are willing to pay for. And I think that you can then look at the other side and say, okay, well, what are the negatives they're contributing? And maybe they use unethical labor or they're using business practices that are putting smaller companies uh, out of business and they're hurting people economically in that way. And I think that you sort of need to take in all the aspects of a person's existence and their contributions and detrimental, or I don't know what it'd be, I guess what they're taking away from society and their negative effects. And I think if you weigh those together, you sort of have a complete picture of whether or not a person is really contributing or not. So you would have to take obviously into account like how many jobs they're creating or what kind of philanthropy they're doing or like how active they are on social issues. And obviously there's no perfect answer to that, like how much a person should be contributing. But I think that's at least a fair way of looking at it. And you can see, okay, this person is, yeah, they do X, Y, and Z things that are kind of bad for the economy and are hurting some people. But think of all the good they're doing. They're very philanthropic. They're contributing economically and all these other things. So I think if you kind of weigh it positives against negatives there, you get a full picture of what a person is really contributing to society. So I guess we can move on to the next point, which is we're going to talk about whether or not altruism is possible. Um, so does one you want to take that? Uh, I, I guess I can start on that one. Um, kind of, I guess, like, I, I know I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I feel like the overall goal of a of a um, organism is kind of to better itself. I feel like, um, you know, in, in order to survive, the whole idea is, um, you know, that you're focused on yourself first and then. So I feel like that, in a way, kind of deters me from feeling like altruism like truly is possible. Like I know there's a many people like had the idea that like with like there's called like group selection in which if people if an if, uh, organisms are more like if okay let me restart. So it's basically if organisms sacrifice themselves for others and like do selfless acts and like altruist acts in that sense. The idea is that it leads to a society that's stronger as opposed to selfish acts, just because, you know, it can build society better that way. But, and like, therefore it would lead to less extinction. But uh, as Dawkins brings up in um, the selfish gene, that's like kind of impossible because even if you have a single organism that has selfish characteristics, as um, that would mean that as it goes through its lifetime, it'll take more from the rest and that'll lead to uh, its genes recirculating in the pool later down. And eventually the society will have to become strictly selfish and because the altruists cannot compete with a selfish, um, a selfish organism. And so that kind of leads to the, and even like, even in a purely altruist 
society, if you have any, any like break in that chain in which there's a single selfish organism, it can completely overtake that in like a couple of generations, or I should say a couple. I mean, like, you know, thousands of generations down the line, just due to natural selection in that sense. So I feel like in the, in the, at least in the natural applications, I feel like altruism kind of isn't possible. Yeah, I think that based on what I've already said, I don't think it's really possible. I think it all goes back to the whole survivability thing and the survival instincts. Because if you think about it, if like what you were talking about, if one species of animal were to rely on another species, okay, that's not a perfect example because there are species like that. But if every species was like that, then like there really wouldn't be any predator and prey. So then there wouldn't be natural selection really. And then the populations wouldn't really get limited and they wouldn't be controlled as uh, well as they should be in the ecosystems. So that's like talking about actual species of animals. But with humans, I think it, it's kind of similar because if you go out of the way every single time to help someone else when they're struggling, you're going to be stuck. And I, I also play... I also kind of straddle a fine line there too because I do believe in helping people when they need help a lot of the time. But there are certain times, it's more in situations where there's someone who you're competing against and you would stop whatever you're doing to help them and help them get to a higher place than you are. And I think that's kind of just destructive in a way. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of abandon the i used to buy into it a lot but the concept of that humans are entirely selfish because like i was saying before i think when you bring in consciousness and empathy into the equation it like completely breaks the system yeah i know like there's also Dawkins brought up that like oftentimes group like intergroup altruism goes hand in hand with in uh between group selfishness if that makes sense like, so you can be loyal to a single group and that almost enforces the idea of selfishness as a, like, compared to another. Yeah. So I guess the example that he gave was like, oftentimes soldiers are expected, you know, to die for their country, but at the same time are told to kill the enemy and like told that the enemy is lesser. And so that kind of shows an example where you're kind of expected to be both altruist and also selfish at the kind of the same time whereas so it's almost like a group loyalty rather than like societal loyalty i guess and i guess that gets another issue is like you have to kind of decide where you focus and like with the whole altruist perspective because you can have you can focus altruism all the way down to a single cell like so you could argue that within your body all of your cells are you know working together um and I guess it display altruist principles in that sense of that. They don't have consciousness, though. Right, but altruism doesn't necessarily have, you know, bees aren't conscious, but they can still sacrifice for the hive or whatever. So I feel like they don't necessarily have to go hand in hand in that sense. Um, so so I feel like at some levels you can be altruist to a group while other, also being selfish as opposed to a larger subset or something like that. So yeah, it's like what I said before, it's another example of the saying, somewhere in the middle lies the truth.
move on to the next question. So what do we think are the biggest flaws of human nature? Um, I initially was going to respond to this with, I was going to say cognitive dissonance is the biggest flaw in human nature. Um, just by the fact that we're able to do things that don't benefit ourselves and just, you know, from whatever circumstances you're under. But I think that's not the best way of looking at it because if you are thinking about the general, um, trying to put this in a good way here, if you're thinking about the progress of humanity, if nobody has any cognitive dissonance, everyone is just out for themselves and they're really a cooperative society doesn't exist. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen A Beautiful Mind, but there's that scene where he says, like, if we all do what's best for us, then none of us succeeds. Um, kind of like refuting the Adam Smith thing there. And I think that's sort of where my theory breaks down is that cognitive dissonance is sort of essential in a society because people need to make sacrifices for the greater good um, and, like, override their own personal benefit in the time being. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because that also introduces some... I guess the idea of, I mean, like you said, being able to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. If we weren't able to have, like, uh, I was reading a story about, like, a guy who basically sent a telegraph to incoming train about, like, this huge fire that had started in the train station. They had to, he sent, he basically stopped the train from going to the station, and the station would later blow up, and he knew that he was going to die. But he saved over 200 lives by doing that. So, like, that's, I guess, a good example of how morals actually provide for the greater good. Yeah, I think, like, that you kind of hit it better than I did, that, like, cognitive dissonance is sort of, like, obviously that's doing something that doesn't benefit himself, but he understands that he's contributing to the greater good. And so I think that sort of overrides is that, in a way, it's not even a flaw. Like, on small scales, it can be, like, if you're procrastinating, like, that's that's a flaw. But if you're able to do something that puts you at a disadvantage in order to benefit the rest of society, I would hardly say that's a flaw in human nature. I think that's actually um, an advantage that we have. Yeah. I know that we like kind of touched on this discussion. We were talking about like the possibilities of alien life and what we thought we would look kind of be, whether we'd be seen as weak because of our like, you know, humanity and our like um, emotional aspect or whether we thought that that was like, I guess more of like a strength or character trait of our species. I think it's definitely like this. This is gonna sound like a cop out answer, but I feel like it's definitely difficult to evaluate something like that because you could always take the one hand of that. You know, I assume that an AI with you know general intelligence um, would usually choose or would usually find that taking emotion into the equation would be counterintuitive and counterproductive. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of the like innovation that's gone down during the history of our species has like been heavily contributed to by emotion and our emotional drive. I feel like. Um. Yeah, you're kind of getting at what I was going to say next, which is I think one of our flaws can actually be empathy in some cases, which is like you. I know you were saying about how AI can make decisions that are like purely logical and aren't clouded by. Uh, human nature and you know making decisions that are irrational just because there's other factors in play um and i think that's an interesting point that we usually consider empathy to be like a good thing and we can all coexist and cooperate and move society forward but i think then you bring up the problem of like okay well 
are we going to slow society down just because one person is suffering? Like, is it okay to like benefit 80% at the expense of 20%? That's where I think empathy can sort of be a flaw in human nature is that it'll, we put ourselves in the the shoes of a person who's suffering and make irrational decisions just because we know they're going to suffer, even though it might be contributing to the greater good to make them suffer a little bit for a short period of time. I also think you could argue that empathy is, or I guess the lack of empathy in some cases is also a flaw because I mean, you look at some of like these really high class business people and they, at that point, I guess, I mean, this isn't true for all examples. I'm just, this is kind of a generalization statement that I don't usually like to make, but in some cases they just start to only care about themselves. And I guess this is more, uh, the flaw is more selfishness than it is a uh, lack of empathy, but I guess they kind of go hand in hand. So it's like, it's just sometimes there are cases where people completely neglect majorities of people that are suffering and that could at the expense of helping themselves. So like that when they help themselves, they end up hurting many other people. So then it's just, I guess that's one of the flaws that I can think of is just, I said what I need to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely know what you're saying. I feel like kind of branching off of what you were trying to get at, the idea that like as humans, we can't really like ignore stuff well, or I guess we can't really like for, we can't un, uh, intentionally ignore stuff well. Like we either have to like, for example, with the example of like poverty or like, you know, other people struggling or suffering, either we have to like completely just not know about it or do something directly about it to feel, I guess, like validated as humans, or at least for the majority of humans do that, I guess. Um, and I think that that could be seen as both positive and a negative, that we can't really, we can't really become aware of something and then do nothing about it, I feel like. Yeah, um, I was just going to say how this is kind of a question where you have to consider the scale on what you're talking, which is to say that we usually think of this in the context of an individual person, which is like, okay, well, on a daily basis, they make decisions. Like, that's kind of why I was saying, like, cognitive dissonances. You can do something that harms you, and that's obviously flawed. But then we were obviously saying, from a societal standpoint, if you're doing something that might hurt you, which goes against your own nature, but you realize it's going to benefit society as a whole, then you sometimes are expected to make that sacrifice. And that's obviously not a flaw. That's an asset, really. So I think that you kind of have to consider the scale of what you're talking about, which is to say, if you want to make large sacrifices, you kind of have to treat empathy differently than when you're just making like small scale decisions in your daily life. And I think that's kind of an important way to approach this, I guess. Yeah, but also I feel like there are cases where there are big sacrifices that can be made that are good there are small sacrifices that can be good and there are big and small sacrifices that are completely useless and meaningless so i guess it, it, it just boils down to someone being able to weigh the pros and cons in a, either in a split decision a split moment decision or with planning ahead <laughs> Uh, although I don't know if people really plan ahead when they're about to make a sacrifice too often. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of didn't really make my point very well before. I guess I was really trying to say more that like 
the productivity of society is different than like the productivity of an individual person, if that makes sense. So you, when you're talking about this on a bigger scale, you kind of get at the issue of whether or not suffering is necessary. I feel like the general perspective is like the human race can still progress forward without people suffering. But then you have some people who think like under a theoretical like capitalist society where like everyone is moving towards progress, like someone is going to have to get the short end of the stick. And I think in that case, if you take that approach, you think empathy is a flaw because it causes everyone to slow down humanity to help a small subset of people that's suffering. But then if you take the perspective of people don't need to suffer, then you say that empathy is an asset and that you it's good that you want to help all those people and you can still move society forward because the suffering that they're experiencing isn't necessary. So I think that it does kind of, when you're talking about it on something of that size, you have to address whether or not you think suffering is necessary in society and then in which case you can determine whether or not you think empathy is a good or bad thing in that context. Yeah, I was going to bring up i was the more i thought about before i brought it up i don't want to bring it up as much because i saw a flaw in it but one of the things i was going to say originally was like laziness but then i thought about it and then i was thinking about evolution and natural selection and then i realized that without lazy people there wouldn't be people who move ahead of them but um i guess <laughs> the thing i realized at the end is that having flaws is what makes us human. So uh, that's what I just find interesting about looking at this stuff. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the, the flaws give us our unique character, if that makes sense. Well, and it gives you it gives you an incentive to for progress too. Like you have to, it kind of gives you a challenge. I guess you have to overcome those flaws, and that's part of like I think that improves the strength of the human race itself. Is that like. We know we have these flaws. We can talk about them and identify them. And we can say like, all right, now we know we're going to have all these problems, but let's see if we can get around those and try to move forward as a species. Yeah, and and it creates problem solving, obviously, which often creates a better solution than what it presented itself if you didn't have yeah. the problem in the first place. Yeah, I know we're trying to move on, but I just want to make one last point, which is like, I don't think there's the any really like one flaw that you could say is the biggest for human nature because I think because obviously everyone has different flaws like you're saying some people are lazy some people think illogically sometimes some people like overwork and then they can't relax and they like get lost in their own productivity if that makes sense so I think it's really a tough question especially from that stance like you you can't fundamentally look at human nature and say like okay well this is what's slowing us down entirely it's really like some things might hurt us more or less but from person to person, I think we all have different uh, capabilities and flaws that we have to worry about and overcome in our own lifetimes. All right, good to move on? Yep. Yes. All right, I guess I'll introduce, do we think that, I guess that's honestly part of the same question, but do we think that the morals of our society have slowed down humanity? Yeah, so I'll kind of take this one. I don't think so, because I know that's kind of hard to say sometimes, because you feel like, when you're looking at society, especially like politically, there's people like having just kind of, for lack of a better term, petty discussions over like whether something is morally corrupt or not, when in reality, everyone knows it would like help humanity progress forward, even though like a few people might suffer at one point. But I think that without morality, you can't really have um, 
science, if that makes sense. Like you need sort of a guiding compass to make sure science is moving in a direction that's going to ultimately benefit humanity and benefit the greatest number of people possible. And I think once you remove that human element and you just go for solely productivity and improvement and progress, you kind of abandon your purpose and you're sort of just like moving forward for the sake of moving forward and not for the sake of helping everyone benefit the same. I agree. Uh, you kind of hit it on the head right there when you said when you remove the human aspect, because I morals is what makes us human. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that without morals, we wouldn't be able to form social bonds, really. I mean, I know there are animals that exhibit social tendencies, but not nothing to the extent that we do. I mean, we form relationships, both good and bad. Um, I mean, without, I think even without morals, we wouldn't really be able to form a hierarchy, which some people don't like, but some other people think we need in a society. And I think there's no abolishing a hierarchy at any point, um, especially this far into humanity. So like you said, the morals are the human aspect that makes us human. So um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure going back to the last question that we talked about, I think some morals um, do slow us down, I guess the flaws. So like if you, um, I guess if you just like don't work for the greater good, you work for yourself and that's your moral um, belief, then you could be slowing down humanity. But then there are the people who exhibit the good morals, the good moral tendencies, and they continue to push for a greater future. I was even going to try to go farther as to say, if you think about it on a grander perspective, all of science does kind of root out of morality. Because think about like for like medicine, for example, people go into medicine and try to make the most improvements possible because they want to help people and they want to save lives. Like people want scientific progress because they want to create new technologies and help people learn more about the world around them so we can build a better society. So I think if you don't have morals, you're kind of solving a puzzle for no reason, if that makes sense. Like you're making scientific achievements for nobody's benefit. And I think at that point, you're just kind of wasting your time because it's like, okay, now we figured out a lot of things and how to use them. What are we actually doing? We're all still suffering. We're all not coexisting. So what's really the point at that junction? Yeah, I feel like the our morals kind of i know i think both of you touched on this kind of helped us structure our society and i feel like it kind of shows us what is considered right and wrong and kind of helps to create a productive society because like if we had no morals we could see like you know corruption or whatever as a productive um like we could see it as productive to the effect of helping a single person even though it technically is seen as hurting society, I feel like without morals, we could. Uh, I think society would be way less productive. I think certainly in some areas. Yeah, I feel like you kind of. It's it's nice to look at that perspective and say like, okay, maybe without all these like moral conflicts, we would everyone would just be fighting for themselves and their own progress, and we would be moving humanity forward. But I think if you're gonna really think about what a society like that would look like, it's mostly just gonna be people with their own self interest not coexisting with others and it's really just going to create suffering for most of the population and then maybe a few are extremely successful in whatever system like economically that we happen to be in so i think when like obviously we can look at it from random perspectives like say oh well 
we want to build a bunch of solar panels that are going to give a whole town renewable energy, but we have to make like five people move. Well, in that context, I guess it's immoral to make those people suffer and have to do something they don't want to do. But if it's for the benefit of like an entire population, then is it really, you kind of have to tell them to take one for the team and like, but moral decisions like that on a smaller scale, it's like easy to say, Oh, well that slowed us down. But I think if you don't have a fundamental guiding principle for humanity, you end up with a society where everyone's just out for their own interests and they just don't really care about anybody else. And they will win at your expense and make you suffer as long as they're successful. Yeah. I don't mean to like hop up on a soapbox pedestal right here, but I guess I just like to say that, like, I don't think morals have slowed down humanity and my defense against anyone who would say that morals have slowed down humanity is that humanity, no matter what your political stances are, no matter what your social status is, humanity is one collectivity and without the relationships that we've been able to form with our morals without all the progress that we've been able to make with morals, we would just be another animal in the wild still, I think. And because sure, there are animals that form some kind of social bonds, but you don't see them being able to form like complex relationships like we do. So that's just kind of my point against morals slowing us down. Yeah, I think... I guess this just kind of roots out of, I know last episode we were talking about, um, like, or no, sorry, that was this episode, I'm just getting confused. Um, we were talking about uh, if human nature is naturally good or evil. And I think this question kind of brings that up because if you think that human nature is naturally good, I personally think you're being a little naive. And, I th- and from my perspective, it would be that if you had a society with no morals where in theory, everyone is just going to be super productive because they just want to fight for themselves. In theory, that should move forward the human race if all humans are good. But I think in that society, you'd just be dishonest individuals trying to make a gain or a profit wherever they can at the expense of other individuals. And I think you're a little bit naive if you say, oh, well, if we had a society where everyone was solely focused on productivity, we'd be making so much more progress than we are right now with like silly political debates and whatnot. I think if you don't have those guiding principles, annoying as they can be sometimes, you're really just going to have a completely decadent society where you don't have anyone really fighting for each other and just going to have a lot of people suffering and a few people succeeding. All right, I think that's a good stopping point for us today. Um, So that'll be the episode. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Transcendental Club where we talked about humanity, uh, human nature, and morals. I hope you listened to the first episode, uh, and we'll keep releasing episodes in the next few weeks. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our social media. We are the Transcendental Club Podcast on Facebook, Podcast Transcend on Twitter, and Transcendental Club on Instagram. See you next time.